Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, dear ones. Have you ever experienced a moment in your life where you were buoyed by those around you? Or maybe a moment when giving your time and energy to someone else in need gave you a sense of purpose and community? Well, Archer and I experienced all of that big time in the months following his injury. For this special episode, we wanted to take a pause and hone in on what was happening behind the scenes for support for our family so you can hear some of the voices of those who kept us going. It was truly family and friends therapy. And it might give you some ideas of what you can do for others in a crisis like spinal cord injury. Here's to the friends, new and old, who lent their energy and healing power to Archer's journey, which was extraordinary. Come along with me and listen to their voices. Did you know our podcast sponsor, the nonprofit I See That, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and Transformation, is now the Blink of an Eye nonprofit? And Blink of an Eye is on social media. You can find out more about the Blink of an Eye initiatives, trauma healing, new episodes, and more. You can follow Blink of an Eye on Instagram at Blink of an Eye Nonprofit and on Facebook at the URL facebook.com slash www.blinkofaneye.org. Links to those platforms will be in the show notes. If you know of a spinal cord injured family in the crisis hours and days following injury, please connect them to www.blinkofaneye.org. We are so grateful to our donors and volunteers. If you are interested in making a difference in the lives of those in SCI trauma, you too can be part of the Blink of an Eye Family Support and Navigation Team effort as they are recruiting experts in trauma and trauma healing and physicians trained in neurology, such as neurourologists and neuropulmonologists, to support the Blink of an Eye navigators working with families. They are also inviting Blink of an Eye podcast listeners to volunteer as spiritual warriors praying specifically for SCI families, whom the Blink of an Eye team is working with, and for those who are creative or who like to have written connection. The Blink of an Eye family support team is recruiting artists and letter writers for their Hope Lifters campaign to send daily words of inspiration and encouragement to spinal cord injury families in the first 30 days of crisis. If this mission is calling out to you, go to the website www.blinkofaneye.org. Or send me an email at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com 
as we are serving families now across the United States. In our last Blink of an Eye story episode with Archer, we left off with a reflection of all the many kinds of therapy he was receiving. Physical therapy, respiratory therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. But the most important one was not officially recognized by the medical establishment. Friends therapy. Indeed, ICUs even limited the contact with friends. But the Shepherd Center allowed in all of it, for which I was grateful. Well, in today's episode, we're taking a deep dive into the healing and restorative power of friends and community bedside, both near and far, both old and new. I want to address some of the challenges and eventual successes we had in bringing family and friends to and from Archer's bedside. We will also reflect on the collective power of knowing just how many people were united in the effort to come together on Archer's behalf and the incredible interfaith community that lifted prayers for Archer's healing. Truly, those prayers are still reverberating through Archer's healing journey and my own to this day. We'll also get a closer look and listen to what was going on behind the scenes back in Maryland to organize awareness, prayers, and support for Archer's recovery at a time when Archer was not doing well at all in his recovery. We will speak to one of Archer's friends from McDonough, Ollie Abramson, who was directly part of the ongoing activities of high school kids across Baltimore and not just at Archer's High School, who were doing all kinds of extraordinary things in the name of Archer Strong and what it meant to them. And we'll hear from Price Campbell, another friend who reflects on the experience of being part of the collective support. We will also hear more from the one and only Ned Inslee, the frequent flyer chief commander, who was a constant source of support and organization in those days. Welcome to Episode 18, Friends Therapy and Frequent Flyer Miles for Rehab. So settle in, take a deep breath, and anticipate how you might be the friend who is part of Friends Therapy for someone you know and care about. Here we go. Personal journal note. I think Archer was right about FT. Makes me smile that he thought of it too. Friends therapy. Kind of sweet. And so true. I wonder why the Shepherd Center wouldn't bake in a plan to partner with Delta Airlines. They're headquartered here in Atlanta, and I saw a billboard that they are the airlines for the Olympians. I mean, they could donate five or 10 free airplane tickets to each family from out of state who has a kid rehabbing here 
to bring those kids' friends here. Bedside would make such a difference in the rehab. Such a comfort. Such a motivator. It would be amazing for them. We've got the amazing Ned Inslee. Dear listeners, you might not recall, but Ned is the dad of Jeffers Inslee, one of Archer's close friends from McDonough School. Ned and I didn't know each other well before Archer's injury, but over the course of those months, he became one of my closest allies and friends. And eventually, he was the only one Billy and I trusted to project manage the renovations we needed to make for our over 100-year-old home back in Baltimore, so we didn't have to uproot our entire family as we made it accessible for Archer. But more on that in another episode. Since most of the frequent flyer miles donated were Southwest Air Miles, Ned followed up with Southwest on my hope that an airline company would partner with the Shepherd Center to donate tickets to families from out of state. I knew we weren't the only SCI family needing to balance our lives at home, including parenting of our other children, with all the responsibilities of remaining bedside in a complicated medical recovery. Sadly, we were not able to forge that partnership. But you know, I still hold hope. If not Southwest, maybe Delta or United. We'll just have to keep at it. I mean, wouldn't it be great for an airline's standing in the eyes of their customers to help unite families and maybe later to be the ones to give free ride travel to a person with tetraplegia who might not otherwise be able to travel? You see, it's like moving mountains for a quadriplegic to air travel. More on that another time too. Well, Ned did create a whole support system for those who could easily travel, specifically for our family, to balance all their travel needs and to bring other friends to Archer's side to provide the essential FT. It was with frequent flyer miles and incredible, generous people. And I am grateful to all the airlines for even having frequent flyer miles as they were a big part of FT. Well, you might ask what is so essential about FT. Well, for a teenager, being with peers is probably what lifts the heart most. And you'll hear later in this episode what FT meant for the friends and for me too. But before we get there, we have an emotionally up-and-down episode. And we have the chance to reminisce with Ned Inslee, whom I had the opportunity to talk with recently, about how he became the personal travel agent on behalf of the Sempt family. Take a listen. I am really dying to know how it transpired that you became the commanding officer of the 
frequent flyer miles <laughs> of many, and you were truly the flight coordinator. And it wasn't a, a job that, like, you could say, oh, like, I'll give you some, some, if I recall correctly, if I had frequent flyer miles, I couldn't say, oh, Ned, I'll give you some of mine. It wasn't just like, like, a, like a gift. It just, it just didn't work that way. So let, let's go back. Let me, let me hear about well, so, how all this started. Yeah, I mean, it, it came about, if you remember. I did, the, the, the travel concept first started with actually helping raise money for the flight for Archer down to the Shepherd Center. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. The $25,000 doesn't, has to go on your credit card, not right. covered by insurance, right. Twenty five. And I'm, I don't remember exactly how we got tied into the loop with it, but, but our mutual dear friend David DeMuth and I ended up sort of, I, I think Shepherd agreed to pay for a part of it or something. They did. There was a, I don't remember what part, but it was a significant part, like right. $5,000. Yeah. And then, you know, the rest of it, you all had put on a credit card. And, and so David and I agreed to, or offered to, or maybe we never even told you. No, this to, is coming back. But to, I, but I remember it as being Dave, David, yeah, Moose. Moose, yeah. So we. I didn't realize it was Moose and Ned. Yeah. So anyway, we we raised some funds, and and I guess you and I must have been texting at that point about something, and and you said that you didn't quite know how the family was going to get back and forth, but it was really important to you and to Billy to be able to be in two places. And you suggested something, I'm sure, like, you know, maybe I can lean on some old business friends or whatever, people that have extra miles. I completely remember this. Yeah. I completely, and you're right, I, it is not something that I was accustomed to doing. Mm -mm. You hate to ask for help. Right, I do. Yeah. And... I did. Yeah. That would be a better way yeah. of saying yeah. it. Yeah, which is it's great. So... I said that I think I'm sure I said that I know maybe I know some people that have some miles and you know I think we all were operating under the premise that we could just grab a bunch of miles and have them transferred to you and it'd be no big deal. Right. The the glitch and this was a big one was that Southwest wouldn't allow people to transfer miles without it. There's a transfer fee, so it was ten dollars per thousand miles to be transferred, and every flight was like twenty or thirty or forty thousand miles, and you guys were going to need to fly a couple times a week. So those $10 fees were going to add up. and Almost being the price of a ticket. Exactly. And, and obviously the airlines know that, which is why they do that. Mm. So we, the, the first theory was we, could, we had some connections um, through somebody that's in the fundraising world at Southwest. And we thought, well, we could just get them to waive it. Because, of course, they'd waive it for Archer. And they came back and said, no, no. <laughs> but we do have a program that Shepard's a part of where we have a couple of airline tickets for free. We needed more than a couple. Yes. <laughs> so so it just sort of evolved, Louise. I mean, it just sort of evolved to realizing, well, that, but you can make a reservation for someone else on your account. That's right. And so we learned that. And I thought, well, okay, so that is a way to do this, is, is that when one of you or your kids um, wanted to fly to or from Atlanta, just let me know, and I'll find out some people that have miles, and I'll just call them and say, hey, can That's you make... That's what was so extraordinary, yeah. Ned, because 
for me, and I do still have a lot of this in me, it's like, you don't want to burden somebody who's giving you a gift to then have to spend the time to, you know, set it all up for you. I just was like, oh my gosh, no. But you have no idea how gratifying it is to be able to help somebody mm. when you feel helpless. Oh my gosh. Well, we were made for each other. <laughs> because I was so, I mean, so filled with gratitude and so helpless. Well, and, and you know, I was just a catalyst for all this, right? I mean, there were, I think there were, well, I emailed and, and, and you know, email chains there went out. There were hundreds of thousands. Hundreds and hundreds of people that we reached out to. And, and again, you know, 20 people probably sent emails out to others. And I was just the coordinator and, you know, so people would email me and say, I've got 10,000 miles, and this person would say, I've got 60, and this one would say, I've got five. And so we just maintained a spreadsheet of all these miles and all these people, and you or Billy or one of your kids or your siblings or whatever would, would call me and say, hey, you know, can I get to Atlanta on this day? And I'd look at my spreadsheet, and oh, there's somebody. You know, We can do it with this, these miles and these miles. And, and well, then, let, let's put it in context for, for, the, for the listeners that when we got to Atlanta, there was a place where people could spend the night. Mm -hmm. It was actually for the family. I had, I was given, I think, 30 days um, as a patient's family. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how long we were gonna be there, but I was going to safeguard those days like they were my children. Right. And so I did not take any of them. Mm -hmm. And had, I'd also, I would have to sign up on my end for which, uh, which 30 days and the time that we were there and the time is you know elapsing. We didn't know it was going to be as long as it was. I was signing up because the whole idea was to be able to keep those kids coming right. to keep Archer's spirits up. Right. So every weekend we tried to have a, fam a, a SEMFT, a family member, right. and at least one, and of course they came in pairs and yep. sometimes in you know, triplets and yep, yep. quadruples and so forth coming down. And that's what Ned was coordinating. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, again, just so gratifying to all the people who donated miles. Oh, my God. I mean, they were coming out of the woodwork, Louise. I mean, I'd get random emails, people I've never even heard of, saying, hey, I hear you're coordinating miles for the Sens to get to Atlanta. I've got, you know, this, and I've got this. Or I can't do that, but I've got Delta miles. Can you use that? I mean... People were so generous. It was overwhelming, the generosity that that I saw on your and Archer and your family's behalf. It really was. I think we had something like, all tallied up, something like 900,000 miles oh available to use for your family and, and friends. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, people were so generous. They were so generous. It, it was amazing and, and heartwarming. every weekend that heartwarming experience happened yeah. because we had some weekends where there were four kids, some a few weekends where there were six, mm -hmm. and many weekends where there were two or three, right. and then all the coordination with their parents, or in, in the case of, a, of one group of grandparents who mm -hmm. actually were, were down there. That was, that was Jefferson, Riley, and That Price. was Jefferson, Riley, and Price. It was extraordinary, and what it did too was 
that generosity totally relieved a huge psychic void that was otherwise happening, you know, like, what am I going to do? We've got to coordinate in the time. And it would have been incredibly expensive. And incredibly expensive. I mean, just... It would, well, it would have been prohibitive. Yeah. It wouldn't have happened. Probably. It would not have happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because it was, it was so consistent. Right. And I love it because we got to a point where you're like, you know, who's coming? Right. <laughs> yeah. I remember at one point I said, hey, I, I, te- I texted Billy and said, it looks like you don't have coverage for Archer this weekend. And he's like, yep, I just realized that. And then he sent me your family, the link to the family who's got Archer website. Right, because right, we had a whole other spreadsheet like, okay, going. Right, good, so I, I can now see both sides of the equation. I can help. Yeah, the logistics really are just amazing. Right. Yeah. For amazing. sure. Well, for sure. Thank you again. Well, I thank thank all the people who donated. You know? I, and I thank and them, then, too. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I thank you, everyone. There were like 60 people who actually tra- or made their miles specifically available. I mean, hundreds more that inquired and wanted to know how they could help. No one ever said no. They immediately said yes, and then I'd start to, you know, say, well, you know... But because that's, of, that's because of you, Ned. Well, no, it's not. It's because of Archer. Mm. And and I would say, well, you know, the story... Oh, you know, everybody already knew. They didn't want to... They didn't want to hear about... I know Archer. I know the story. How can I help? It was truly mind-boggling, the sheer number of people who stepped up and came forward to be part of our community and our support system. Many people we didn't even know at the time, people who just heard, and people who were reading what they called the Archer blogs, who were friends of friends of friends. The network of human capacity is quite vast, and I was reminded over and over of how important each conversation over my entire lifetime seemed to matter. From grade school friends, high school friends, college buddies and sorority sisters, business and church friends, neighbors, and even just acquaintances or parents of Archer's friends I may have talked with in passing or briefly on the sidelines of various lacrosse or soccer or basketball games or school events. They all showed up for us in ways I could have never imagined, nor will I be able to thank them. That was another growing, nagging thought on my mind, a lot back then. And it took up some real psychic real estate in my quiet thoughts. How do you thank an army of volunteers from so many different places? I no longer had any staff to ask to help me, nor did I even have the names and emails of all those who were doing such kind things for us. And that seemed to be another part of it all. I suspect they knew that I would never be able to thank them, and they just gave anyway. That F.T. was humbling.
Billy and I were already in the process of laying off our employees and tightly managing our bank accounts, and Billy was adamant that I sell my office building, anticipating expenses we could hardly imagine. But the salve of the support of friends, bake sales and cards and frequent flyer donations and visits in person, all that FT was some of the best support for Archer's now and his tomorrow and our families. Archer needed that support and I needed that support too. I thought I would share a handful of journal entries from this time in the story that might give some sense of the emotional realities I was experiencing and why I needed the support and human contact, too, of friends who visited, like Carol Foster and her daughter Carrie and Katie and Scott Ketchum and my sister Lillian and my brother Will. Oh, yes, I, too, needed FT. And it came in many forms. Personal Journal Note I got a text a couple weeks ago from Rose Dare in Richmond, Virginia, one of my sorority sisters, a year ahead of me at the University of Virginia, telling me to look for daily texts from UVA Thetas. Well, the first one came from Richmond, Virginia, a selfie from a woman I recognized a few years ahead of me at UVA with a handmade sign. Holding you and your family in the light, Louise. Love, Susan Brock Wilkes, class of 1981. It warmed my heart. The message, the selfie, the handmade sign. Well, I now look forward every day to the text I know I will get from one of these wonderful women. I never know when it's going to come or from whom, but I'm so happy when it does. Today, it was a selfie from Ann Hayward holding a sign, thinking of you from Michigan. Archer and Louise, you are amazing. Stay strong. Ann Hayward Hammond, UVA, 1981. And yesterday, it was a photo from Pam Goggins of her entire family of nine, holding a big handmade sign that said, Archer Strong. And she was holding a smaller sign on orange construction paper that said, Archangel. Love the Goggins family. I want to remember this. I love these daily photos. I'm in awe of how they organize in this way. As I'm hearing from some of the first Thetas at UVA when the sorority house was first established in 1977, shortly after the first class of women was admitted to UVA, I looked up to these young women so much and felt very close to them, even when I was a young first year in 1979. We just bonded. And now, here they are all showing up for me in such a personal way. I just love the one sent the day before yesterday 
from Susan Novak Smith in Austin, Texas. I never knew the married names of any of these women. Well, she was standing along a roadside with a bridge in the background and was holding a big poster she had made that said, Theta Love Bridge, From My Heart to Your Heart, with the heart of Austin and Archer Strong in another heart. It's really amazing to me, and I can't wait to see who texts next tomorrow. I know they will. I just found out the organizer is Susan Brock Wilkes, who sent the very first one. She said they used a sign-up genius to ensure I'd get one every day. I don't know what that is, but it's amazing. But what she told me next really took my breath away. She said they were going to send them to me for as long as I needed them. Until Archer walked again. That meant the world to me. They believed too. Personal journal note. I heard back from Roland Park Home Improvement Board. Since our house is in an historic district, we might be limited in what we can do, and it might be very expensive. I don't want to move. Our changes might just have to be makeshift rather than decent. Feels like nothing is easy, but my boy, still fighting for his life, That's what's not easy. Personal journal note. Wow, McDonough School put Archer on the front page of the student newspaper. About five people sent me a picture of it today. It was a really lovely and long article. It makes me cry reading it. They talk about Archer as a hero. He is a hero. I don't know how long a body can endure these deep lung suctionings. This shirt I've been wearing all week is all wet again. It's late. I cry so much when Archer's asleep. I need to go wash it again in Archer's bathroom sink. personal journal note. It's ridiculous, but I cannot keep up with the amount of mail that comes in every day. I love every letter, even if I never open each envelope, because I try to set aside a lot of the mail for when the kids come every weekend to give them something to do. I know it's awkward, and I know how hard it must be for them, too. But the sheer bulk of all this mail every day brings me so much happiness that Archer is loved and will have friends and people who care about him whenever we return home. So fundamental for me. And I feel uplifted by how much each sender cares even all these days later. been afraid that they might forget Archer 
as it takes a lot of effort to come here. And it will take effort to come to our house. I don't know what I'm afraid of, though. I believe in his friends. I know this support will continue when we get home. I hope it will. I guess you never know. I guess I just realized that I have to be in God's time and not Louise's time. And I just have to believe and I have to hope even if it might be a while before the creative miracle. I guess we need to face that it might be a while. Personal journal note. It feels like Archer has been abandoned in rehab here. It's been a few days of not being in the gym at all. It's painful to just wait and not know at all what is next. While I say the rosary daily, the nuns who taught me always said that faith without action is wasted. So I asked yesterday, if there was something Archer could do for rehab in his room. Well, today, I was so happy when they wheeled in a computer on a desktop table. It was a little mysterious as the OT held out this long aluminum stick she told Archer to put in his mouth. He did, but it sort of fell out. And she picked it up and put it back in for him and told him, to bite it between his teeth. He did. It was a game to use the long 12-inch mouth stick to draw lines on the digital screen and connect some similar shapes. Archer did it. It was exciting. And Archer was good at it. And he did it faster and faster, like, I can do this. Oh, I felt so hopeful but his neck wasn't strong enough to hold the stick in his mouth very long. But that's okay. He'll get stronger. I hope they come back tomorrow. Personal journal note. As I look at this stack of at least 30 or more envelopes today, I'm so grateful for friends and friends of friends and people I do not even know who have been kind enough to take the time to send a card or a note, address it, stamp it, and put it in the mail. I mean, that's real generosity. There's this older lady, Leona Tenney from New York. At least her handwriting looks like she's older. She writes Archer with some frequency, and we don't even know who she is. But I love that she is a prayer warrior. She writes to me, too, with her specific prayers for me. I love her. Personal journal note. If anyone had any idea of what all a family has to consider, these costs are really daunting. People are donating money to us. It feels strange. I know we're going to need it.
and that frightens me. Like they know something I don't know. Well, someone very kind wanted to help us and go set up a GoFundMe page for Archer. But Billy was wary and said that might be a bad idea to have any money go directly to Archer. He said we had to think through everything now. But Archer doesn't even have any income other than his summer job and the money he makes doing surfboard and sign commissions, and he spends it during the school year (laughs) and buying expensive tennis shoes or gear that I won't buy for him. But Archer's always been entrepreneurial. He'll build or create something someday. Someday. We'll figure this out. Maybe Archer can do art with that mouth stick. Personal journal note. This mail, it's incredible. I especially love the letters addressed to me. I hate to admit that, but it's true. I need them. I never imagined it, but people are writing me with their stories. They inspire me. I feel that this experience is shaping me in a profound way. Personal journal note. I've been meeting with a guy in the Family Resource Center here who reached out to me to fill out the paperwork for Archer to qualify for Georgia Medicaid. Who would have ever imagined we would need to know about Medicaid? He said that we can qualify for Georgia now that we have been at the Shepherd Center this long and that once we qualify, it's a way to pay for us to return to Shepherd for outpatient services. Well, that felt so hopeful. I asked him when that would be, and he said he wasn't part of that, just the filing process to qualify for Medicaid. Well, I thought that was really helpful and smart of Shepard. He says it's not the same benefit in other states, which is why we want to qualify here. He implied we'll need a lot of home and other care once Archer leaves Shepard and we might not get much help in Maryland. I don't understand it all, but I filled out everything they asked. Well, that was last week. And today, when I went back upstairs like he asked me to do, when he saw me, he began shaking his head, and I felt it wasn't good. He thrust out his arm holding a piece of paper and showed me a copy of an email that said, Archer was denied. Denied? Denied what? I didn't understand it. He said Archer didn't qualify for Medicaid because he has over $2,000 in assets. $2,000? He said that was the threshold and you couldn't have any more money or assets than that. But Archer doesn't have assets over $2,000. He makes money and spends money on expensive markers for art, for his surfboard designs. And he still had another month of working this summer. 
His bank account only has $600 in it. The man pointed to a line on the paper that listed a 529 plan, college savings account that had $33,000 in it. Oh my God. But I didn't understand. Yes, we do have a 529 plan, and I've been saving up for the kids' college expenses for years. We've been building it up, and the account is in my name. And it's transferable between the five kids for college tuition. But he shook his head again. What? He said the account was not in my name. It was in Archer's name. And he showed me the printout under Archer's social security number. What? My God. I was stunned. I didn't even set it up. The broker did. But I signed. Oh, my Lord. What does this mean? I knew it was a mistake, and I felt my chest burning. I signed the papers. He told me it's a three-year look back now. I don't understand that fully either. And it feels unfair, like a slap in the face for something we didn't do. But I signed. He told me to empty the account as soon as we can, even if that incurs a 10% penalty. Oh my God, I feel so sick to my stomach. I'm so sorry, Archer. I'm learning so many things that I never imagined. I'm so sorry, Archer, if I did something wrong. Personal journal note. It's so damn dumb that the government would limit assets to $2,000 to qualify for basic help to live, to be rotated, dressed, get some basic hygiene and fed. There's absolutely zero incentive for anyone who gets Medicaid to be entrepreneurial, or to even work under that kind of a system. Personal journal note. It's as if I'm watching the nurses from afar. They do a lot. Well, today, she asked me if I wanted to try. I didn't. It's like I'm being aware of being aware that my thinking can't grasp all this. I think this will not really be our world. Bowel programs that take 60 minutes or longer, twice a day, and compression socks that take 20 minutes each morning just to get on each foot. We gotta get out of here. We've gotta stay so Archer gets strong enough so we can get out of here, so we can walk. I don't think we can do all this, can we? Personal journal note. I don't feel afraid. I really feel Archer is going to breathe on his own, and he will walk someday. 
I do see that it won't be soon, but it could be with a miracle, and I will wait for that miracle. But the miracle could also be that he lives and walks someday because of scientific discoveries, right? I know Archer will walk before he dies as an old man. I know it. I believe it. I hope that for you, my dear son. Personal journal note. I'm scared. Shepard is recommending a long-term acute care facility for Archer. They call it an LTAC. They said there are really no other alternatives for Archer. I don't understand this. That's what the discharge coordinator who just came in with her clipboard told us. I just stared at her and told her Archer wasn't going to an LTAC. She just stared at me. I told her he's a minor and I'm his mother and I do not consent. I'm learning LTACs are places of death. Why would they want to send this beautiful young man to one? Just because he can't participate in rehab their way? Just because they don't know what they're doing with his breathing and can't get him off a ventilator that they so pompously promised in three days? Just because they're out of options? Well, I'm not out of options. There are other ways to do rehab, other rehab goals. And Archer has not changed his goals. He told the rehab person when we first arrived, day one, when he asked Archer about his goals, Archer said he wanted to breathe on his own. The PT passed over that and asked him what he liked, a cross. But I know now that Archer was dead serious and we didn't take him at his base value. He has not been set up for success here. We need rehab for his lungs. And lying in a bed not moving in an LTAC will not move him towards his goal. What is so hard to see about that? I mean, they asked him what his goal was. Weren't they listening? personal journal note. I reached out and called this man Max, who has been writing me about being wary of being sent to an LTAC. He's in Virginia, and he sent me his telephone number. He's a stranger to me, but I do read his letters to me, and I did reach out. He was stone serious. His wife had been at Shepherd, and he allowed them to send his wife to an LTAC when she wasn't weaned off a ventilator. He was emphatic that I must do all I can to not let that happen to Archer. He told me LTACs do not offer any rehab, and they don't have enough staff to handle anyone like Archer, and that he'd stay in a bed all day and probably never get rotated all day long and die of bed sores in a matter of months. 
God, it made me shiver. Bed sores? I don't even know really what they are. I feel like it's a Dickens novel or something dreadful. I will never let that happen to Archer. He said LTACs are just warehouses for people too sick or complicated to be taken care of at home and too sick or complicated to do rehab but past the point of being able to remain in a hospital setting. I remember an old mediation I did for the state of Maryland for beds for teenage kids who had a juvenile crime record, needed mental health intervention, were also suicidal and under medical watch. And none of the three state agencies that could be responsible for providing a bed to these kids would because they kept saying it was the other agency's responsibility and meanwhile there were like 60 kids in the state we were mediating about they were all left essentially in jail cells it was a real wake-up call to me to begin to understand systems and how people can fall through the cracks in systems. My God, I feel like we might fall through a crack in the system. I'm not going to let that happen. Archangel Michael, please protect Archer. Mother Mary, please guide me to make the best choices so these things never happen to Archer. Please guide me that whatever I do doesn't have an unanticipated consequence. Please, Lord, allow us to feel into your divine grace, even if we do misstep. Personal journal note. Archer Semft is not a vegetable. He is very capable. He is still very capable. Personal journal note. I'm getting photos and text messages from people around the world. It's extraordinary. They all say they're reading the updates. Some call them the Archer blogs. I'm really not sure what a blog is, but they send me these amazing photos. I want to remember how powerful photos are and remember to send people I love photos. They're of sayings, they're of places that are beautiful. One is of a rainbow they said they saw when they were thinking about Archer. Another is a street sign Archer Street, I kid you not. They said they saw when they were thinking of us. One was from a friend in France who sent a photo of a grotto in Lourdes with all the votive prayer candles lit. And she said she had laid in a prayer note for Archer. It's beautiful. I don't know what I'd do every week without all these photos and amazing things people send me. 
Another pic was of a friend in Italy who sent a photo of a small street altar, and they hung an archer-strong wristband on it. And another was of a front door to what looks like a beach house, and an archer-strong wristband was tied to the opening. I love these pictures. I love the care and effort and the thought people are sending to us. Surely, God, you hear their intentions. As I receive one amazing photo after another, I then look around at this unreal situation. It's a bit surreal. Personal journal note. Archer's friends, oh my goodness, they send me photos. So many of them wearing Archer strong green wristbands. I love those wristbands. I love those kids. One photo is of the arm of a boy wearing the band, and another of two kids holding hands, both wearing the band. There's one from someone at an Ohio State football game, high up in the stadium seating, holding up their arm with the Archer Strong Band with the Red Buckeyes football field in the background. It's really cool. But it's their thinking of Archer that is the gift and letting me know. Personal journal note. Something extraordinary happened. I got a call from a man offering me his studio in Atlanta to record our book. I had texted some friends locally asking if they knew anyone who knew where I might find a recording studio in Atlanta. I was connected to this good man. It was a true gift. I mean, he owns a music production company in Nashville, and he has a full studio in the basement of his home, which is a half mile from the Shepherd Center. It's just too good to be true. Billy and I had to cancel the contract with the professional voice. We were hiring through our publisher to do the audible version of our book being relational. They wanted then me to be the voice. I said I thought Billy should be the voice. He has a great voice. He went to a recording studio a few weeks ago down in Virginia to have his voice tested. Who knew? Well, Billy does have a great voice. It's resonant and deep. But they told him he's too slow and he curls his R's. Oh, man. I've never heard him curl his R's. Well, Billy told me I had to try to beat the voice. I didn't see how that was possible here at Shepherd. But friends of friends, and I'm not even sure who, knows this man, this person who called. I don't know him. He hired a sound engineer, Joe Kay, to work with me and told me there was no cost. I feel sort of small and kind of vulnerable with all this goodness coming our way. I'm continuing to learn to receive in a really pure way because 
I can never repay this. The man's name is Jeffrey Gassioni, and he owns Gasworks Entertainment. I plan to go to his house this Friday while Archer is at Fun Friday with Mike Detterman and Luke Granger, who are coming to visit on the Ned Miles. I'm excited. I hope my voice will be good enough. I've never recorded before. I have a lot to learn. Personal journal note. I searched all over for Archer's sketchbook when I was home, and I found it in the pile of clothes and towels and stuff from the beach that was still not unloaded. A big pile in Archer's bedroom. I put the sketchbook in a safe place, and I also took pictures of the various graffiti drawings to send to Jackson Morrill, who was the reason I was looking for it in the first place. Jackson wanted to make t-shirts with Archer's designs and told me Archer has a whole book full. I never knew Archer did so many, and I hadn't seen most of them. As I flipped through the book, I really marveled at each one. They are clever, and they're so precise. Well, each page was a different theme all around this weird word, proof, spelled P-R-U-F-E. And he did it in all kinds of different types of lettering for each page and each theme. I mean, each was so intricate, sort of funny. A crime theme, you know, with yellow tape, or a surfing theme, a French theme. Very comic-like, colorful, and exact, like a play on words. I asked Archer about the notebook, and he smiled and mouthed with a big smile like he was remembering something special. He mouthed, proof. He told me that was his tag. I didn't know what a tag was, but I learned. I got this text from Jackson. Greg Pfeiffer said he would print and donate some of the proceeds back. The man is truly amazing and loves Arch. We have been printing and are at around 700 shirts sold, and we're just getting started, Mrs. Sempt. The money is great, but the support from everywhere in the country was the coolest thing was thinking about asking people to send me pictures of them in the shirt and make a little book for Archer. Let me know what you think. I want Arch to know on his hardest days that he has so much support. I then showed Archer some of the photos that are coming in of kids wearing Archer's Army t-shirts while others are wearing proof. And he smiled again. It was so great. Because I hadn't seen him smile like that in a long time. I also realized that I'm the only connection he has to his friends. Since he can't talk on the phone. Can't even use a phone. Can't text. Or do anything now. That requires his voice, or hands. 
personal journal note. I know how badly Archer wants to get back to school. I'm working feverishly to find a tutor for him here in AP Calculus. I asked Shepard if we could use the time Archer is not in the rehab gym for schoolwork. We were attracted to Shepard because they said getting kids back to school was a top priority. But really, Shepard has schoolwork as a low priority when you are in rehab. And I get it. But I thought it could be a high priority now, which is what we have wanted all along, since they don't have Archer scheduled for anything. There's a nice lady here who has a background as an English teacher, and she created a little syllabus. But it's really just watching movies and answering some questions, verbally, mouthing them to her. Not exactly school. I guess that's all she thinks Archer can do. She said as much. I offered to read to him and get him CDs of book classics. She smiled and said it will be enough for him to watch the movies. I confess, I'm still grateful that Archer will just have a piece of paper that says he had class, so he doesn't fall behind. Even though I don't like that truth, because I think he's getting ripped off of an important time in his life to be learning. I imagine it's what many parents in Baltimore City's public schools fall into the trap of, too. Just push your child through to the next year. It's pretty bad, really. Archer and I talked about watching stuff on TV or getting educational movies about the world and geography to learn in that way while we're here. But it is true and a bit nutty because there's so little time to actually watch even these movies. Archer works so hard on breathing, and the suctionings interrupt everything, and the machines pumping air into him all day long require monitoring and tube changes. And it's always so much worse at night, and Archer's exhausted. Well, the pulmonologist brought in some device he asked Archer to puff into that measures the strength of his output breath. He has a long way to go. But we'll get there. Personal journal note. I'm looking at the huge banner in Archer's room that is about six feet by five feet. It arrived from Cathedral School when so many grade school and middle school friends and their families came together at Cathedral and lots of other people too a couple weeks ago for Mass to pray for Archer. The banner is covered with names of people who signed and many left a small note of encouragement. Its big green letters match the Archer Strong wristbands. I'm really studying the words. Archer, we love you. We believe in you. We stand Archer strong. I feel they do, and I feel their strength. Friends, therapy. And family and faith. Thank you, God. Amen. Good night.
I had the opportunity to interview Price Campbell, one of Archer's friends who came to visit him at Shepherd, along with Riley Thacker and Jeffers Inslee, both of whom you've heard from before. I think Price captured another side of FT you might find of interest. I remember walking into the room and not knowing what to expect, but seeing all the photos on the wall and all the letters and all the things people sent. And it hit me like, oh, he's just, he's been here for a while. For some reason in my brain, I thought it would, he would look like not so like a part of the hospital room. But when I saw it and it was just him all over the walls and all the people that loved him, it was very clear to me that he just had been doing this day and night and day and night without seizing. And he was so deep into this that, of course, he wants something else, distraction, a friend, something to break the monotony. And once we all kind of realized that maybe that's what he needed more, it became a little easier to know what to do. But it hit me when I walked in, when I saw all the photos, just, I just couldn't, it mentally hit me how long he'd been dealing with everything alone. And it blew your mind and was a whole other wave of realization. It was an absolutely overwhelming time, as you know from my personal journal notes and from previous episodes. And it was also full of goodness alongside the uncertainty and intensity. It was all of this, and it brought waves of realization to me, too. Personal journal note. I'm getting so many texts today from Archer's friends and a bunch of parents. They're gearing up for the big rivalry football Gilman-McDonough game. Someone sent a photo of the kids getting all painted up with war paint in school colors as the schools are building rivalry momentum back home. Some boy, I'm not sure who it is, painted Archer Strong across his bare chest with orange paint. Funny how I don't even know all of Archer's friends. There's also a video of the student section chanting, Archer Strong, Archer Strong. It's really incredible to me how they're keeping Archer so present at these events. I love every one of those kids for that. They have no idea how much that means to us. And the moms, oh my goodness, it's really incredible. I mean, a friend of mine who's a Gilman mom texted me, they're setting up tables at the big rivalry game to sell Archer's army t-shirts and sweatshirts. And it's Gilman's homecoming. But Archer goes to McDonough, the rivalry school. I wonder how that's going to be. Well, one of the sweatshirts arrived in the mail today for Archer. It's a nice, thick, gray cotton fleece with green letters, Archer's Army. Archer likes it a lot. He can't wear it, though, because we can't thread his arms through the sleeves. 
because of all of the breathing tubes. So I hung it on a hanger and then hooked it to the mounted TV on the wall so Archer could see it. Well, Carol Foster told me the moms were also baking up a storm and going to sell the green Pray for Archer wristbands for a dollar each, and that they had hundreds of them and planned to sell out. She said it's like a frenzy in Baltimore that everyone's wearing the bands. I just can't imagine this. I also can't imagine them doing this at this game. But I'm so grateful for this support. Everyone's so good. I wonder what Gilman thinks of these plans. I hope it's all right and not awkward. I don't even know why I worry about these things. We are all in this together, right? And we love Gilman School too, as much as we love McDonough. I mean, that part is not complicated. And it was true. My husband, Billy, and our oldest son, Pete, graduated from Gilman, as did other members of our family, while two of our other sons, Dewey and Archer, attended McDonough. We did have a close affinity for both schools, and both schools were really there for us. I felt it. And it mattered a lot to Archer, who seemed to hang on every text I read him. Well, this day, as I recall, as the rivalry energy mounted for the big game. Well, you know how that is if you live in a town with high schools, with sports teams that rival each other. Yeah, you've got some idea of what that is like. And now imagine these huge Archer Strong banners flying high. A kid from the enemy side being celebrated on the Gilman Hill overlooking the field? Well, this wasn't the only game where extraordinary things were happening. It was fall in Baltimore, and it was also soccer season. And McDonough School, like Gilman, was a powerhouse sports school. But Baltimore has other powerhouse sports schools as well, as four or five of them jockey for the top bid in each sport And it's always very lively during the school years if you're a sports fan and you live in Baltimore. And most people are sports fans in Baltimore. I had the opportunity to interview one of Archer's high school friends, Ollie Abramson, about what it was like back in Baltimore in the fall of 2015. You are one of Archer's dearest friends and... You always warm his heart, Ollie, with with your presence. And, you know, I'm just curious because I've always wondered what it was like for you all back at school. I mean, it was clearly the fall. It's soccer season. It's football season. Um, and, and it's fall, right? Everybody's busy and you've started back in a new grade and uh, sort of the jostling around of old friends and new friends. Can you give us a glimpse of what that was like for you all as juniors, starting up your junior year with one of your dear friends? I mean, it could be that it was on your mind and then you went on with your life. I, you know, Whatever it is, I'm just curious what it was like for you. Well, I can certainly say that no one, for, no one went on with their lives throughout this whole thing, but uh, I played soccer. So I remember this happened like right before the soccer season started and it, you know, really took the whole the whole soccer organization you know 
at heart. Like we, we rallied behind him. I remember like we all tried to make sure we like visited him. I think uh, he was maybe an honorary captain on varsity. I know he was at lacrosse our senior year or two and junior year. Um, but no, there wasn't like a day that went by that no one in the school was like asking or checking in, trying to figure out like more of what was going on. You know, in our soccer season, there was a, a game where Loyola, we played Loyola, and it was a very, like, it was a night game. Loyola brought their whole student section. They're, you know, heckling at McDonough. And it was at McDonough. And another McDonough and another big rivalry, you know, two powerhouse yeah. soccer teams. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think, honestly, the year before, they might have gotten us in a big game. But uh, I remember, yeah, I think McDonough took the – took the W but then after the game everyone swarmed the field and uh we all took a knee at the like on the field and and said a prayer for Archer it was really early in the season I think and it was just like such a special moment and it was like no one it didn't matter how you know what happened in the game what the other student section said to one of our goalies you know it was like everyone just came together and was there for Archer While Loyola was a Catholic school and our family had a number of friends who attended there as well. This event really stunned me, as Baltimore sports were, by and large, secular events. For both teams to come together after the rivalry soccer game and pray together really had Archer and me speechless and grateful for the character of all those players. We needed that friend's therapy, and we needed those earnest prayers. By now, in the reading of the Archer blogs, which was the way they were all kept informed, they knew we were Catholic, so maybe it was out of respect. Or they knew I was out of the closet with believing in prayer and talking about reliance on God's mercy and love, and maybe it made it safe for them to do so, too. I don't know. I do think these boys were deeply moved, though, because they all knew Archer. And I suspect had some deep thought in the recesses of their minds that, but for the grace of God, there go I because this freak diving accident on summer vacation could have been any one of them. It just happened to be Archer. Well, I love what Ollie had to say. I remember we made a video of um, our high school, like everyone at McDonough uh, had like some snippets of them saying something to Archer, like giving a message. And then we had everyone going at the center of our green and we had uh, like a, footage of the whole school with like an Archer Strong uh, banner. And so we were to show that to him and that was, that felt really great to be there with him when he saw that and just like, I, you know, I know that being in Atlanta was tough for him, just not only, like, not only in the situation, but it was, it was tough for people to go visit him. And um, I really just wanted to make sure that he knew how, how like much he meant to everyone and, and how much everyone was thinking about him. I do remember when I visited Archer, I saw, I mean, I think it was 
hundreds if not thousands of letters just all scattered across the room and any toward any sort of like souvenir i remember there was um a, a soccer ball i think signed by someone from man city and uh stephen cobert had some letter that was written to archer and uh it just showed you like how vast his his impact was on you know the world and it was that was crazy to see i was really moved by that and and i thought that was just seeing that gave me more energy and excitement the amount of people that just like were constantly sending Archer texts and wanting to go see him. Archer really did kind of come up with the, you know, what he called FT, uh, the friends and family therapy, uh, because of all the therapies that he had to have in any given day. And it was one of those kind of things that FT was really what seemed to carry the day the most, the most for him. Talking with Ollie, I was completely transported to that time, specifically to the awe I felt at the extent to which Archer had reached people and touched them, but also the lengths to which people, friends and acquaintances, strangers, and even rivals were willing to rally together and show Archer that he was not alone. But you know, as important as sporting events that brought rival teams together are, Ollie also recalled the candlelight vigils. And I realized that while friends were impacting us, there was something that was happening with friends of all faiths, and even of no faith, as they came together and prayed for Archer. I remember there was also uh, like a candlelight. Um, I, I forget where it was, but man, there were so many people there. And to be honest, I um, I wasn't really like a religious person. Like, and I remember just seeing all these prayers, and then seeing like each time Arthur like got into a little of a like an obstacle, he just came right back. It was like it made me just completely change. And I was like, you know what, this was like. It was just beyond me on how it actually was going, like on how he was actually constantly overcoming these these obstacles. To be honest, my outlook changed. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I remember, I think something happened. It was right after the, the candlelight vigil. I, I don't know the timing, but I remember, I think right after that, he might have started having a feeling in, in the limb or um, he got movement like in his chest. It was like the day after. And I'm like, this is just, mind-boggling it was like this is you can't like write this you know in a movie it was and i remember um i think the first time when like when we lost archer it was i think it was something similar where we all came together uh as a school and and then that happened and i'm like this is and it was like one after another and it really i remember i would just go home and and i would just be praying for him every single day and i would just read your blog and something else would pop up that he you know, started feeling uh, more of his body and and started speaking again, you know, stuff like that. So definitely, like, it was crazy, to be honest. It was, like, very, like, it was spiritual, you know. It was very, like, felt connected without even being there, you know. 
we were connected to each other and to something larger. We were also beginning to confront the possible end of our time at Shepherd Center. As we close, I will leave you with one last taste of the friends community that surrounded and held us and the fleeting but powerful moments of tenderness, care, and love that somehow kept coming in to disrupt the fear and even the pain. Here are a few text messages I received. From Tere Zapata de Belesco, my friend in Mexico City. My friend, we heard Mass and prayed the rosary for Archer and your whole family. We are connected in spirit. Send you all my love. Take care of yourself. Tere. From Bernadette Morrow from the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. Hi, Archer and Louise. I'm reading the blogs and just a quick note to let you know I continue to keep you and your family in prayers. I know right now life is a challenge. Each of you has your own path to travel. However, I have no doubt that your faith and love will carry you through. From Noreen Miller, a woman I trained as a mediator. Thinking of you and your family, Archer and your family are blessed. I read your updates and it leaves me very thoughtful and still. Take care. Love you guys. From Molly Frankie, a friend from our church. I'm happy to do whatever I can to let Archer and your family know how much love and concern we feel for you. It will not end. The Frankie family will be here for you. Hugs to you. You are amazing and powerful. You make Archer stronger through your faith and love. any of us can send these kinds of texts to each other when we need them most. I hope the comfort and care held within them remind you that through all the friendships you have cultivated over the years of your life, there will always be people who will be there for you in times of hardship, just like you will be there for them because that is what friendship is all about. We care for each other, and we show up for each other. And I can assure you that if it is not today, there will be someone who needs you in the near future. So be there. Send the text, the note, the photo. Donate the frequent flyer miles. Be the coordinator. Go bedside, do anything, just a little outside your regular day today and it will be as good for you 
as it is for your friend. Friends therapy, it goes both ways. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love, hope for everything, obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye story. Tune in next week for our companion, Blink of an Eye Trauma Healing Learning 18, Ask Louise, with Kelly Sidnor, mom of a tetraplegic son, Kyle Sidnor. Thank you for listening, and thank you for telling your friends about Blink of an Eye podcast. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blink of an Eye Podcast is sponsored by the Blink of an Eye Nonprofit, a nonprofit created as a national resource to help change the way we respond to spinal cord injury, to include trauma healing approaches for families and medical teams across the U.S. Blink of an Eye provides a national team of SCI specialized doctors for expert opinions in the first hours of crisis, a multidisciplinary family support and navigation team for SCI families led by SCI families for the first 30 days of crisis, and a national resource library of trauma-informed responses for the first hours and days after injury, specialized for families, friends, and SCI medical staff. Blink of an Eye also offers a registry of medically unexpected SCI recoveries. 